KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We have seen a lot of economic stimulus the last 15 months, most notably the American Rescue Plan, which became law just a couple of months ago. So, are we seeing results? Has it worked? Is it too early to tell? Are there downsides we are starting to see to all this stimulus, or eventually could we see some downsides? We wanted to dig into this, so we reached out to Dr. Stephen Balsam. He is a professor of accounting at Temple University's Fox School of Business. Interesting stuff. Give a listen. So we are about two months removed, maybe a little shy of the American Rescue Plan, the $1.9 trillion uh, rescue package, however you want to do it in response to COVID-19 being passed. Are we starting to see any impacts in data or anything that, uh, that this has had an impact? We are seeing a lot of impact, a lot of data. Uh, some of it is contradictory. Unfortunately, in today's environment, today's politicized environment, you don't know who to believe, or I don't know who to believe. The Democrats are, you know, of course, patting themselves on the back over the package, while the Republicans are claiming that it is causing inflation, uh, that it is keeping people out of the workforce, etc. Again, and there are data points to support everything that people are saying. Um, I wish we could get to a point where it wasn't so politicized, but I, you know, that's, that's not up to you or me. So what are, what are the data points you're seeing telling you? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, we can just back up and see what this, that these, what all of the stimulus packages have done. Okay. There've been three stimulus packages over the last 15 months, 16 months. And they have pumped in total $5 trillion into the economy. Now, any definition, any economist would tell you that that is going to stimulate the economy. Again, it could overstimulate the economy. uh, And then we are seeing, you know, currently we're seeing more inflation than we have in years. Again, the Democrats will tell you it's transitory. Uh, Republicans are hedging on that. Uh, I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't tell you. But they have pumped a lot of money in the economy and they've created a lot of demand for goods. And I don't know if you, you know, I've read about it. There are shortages on some goods, possibly because of the, you know, the five trillion getting out there into the economy. Uh, And that's just basic economics. I think there was some Census Bureau uh, info that came out a week or so ago that said the last specifically the last couple aids, the. uh last couple rounds of stimulus, the one around the holidays, and then the big one, the American Rescue Plan, uh, improved people's ability to buy the basics. And it said the Census Bureau info that it reduced anxiety and depression. Can we tell that or is that or, or is that is that reading too much into stuff? No, by definition, that's going to happen. Okay, if you give people money and effectively the stimulus payments are giving people money, they are going to be able to buy things. So those people who don't have money for food, you know, they're going to have money for food. Those people that don't have money for rent. Well, unfortunately, and this is one of the downsides of this sporadic um, stimulus packages, as opposed to what we talked about in our last podcast, universal basic income. A $1,400 stimulus check, you know, your single person, maybe it pays one month of rent. And, you know, if there's no more stimulus, and I don't think there will be right now, what do you do? 
you know, it doesn't hurt. Well, it might hurt in terms of inflation and shortages, uh, but in general, stimulus doesn't hurt. It boosts the economy. Uh, it helps people who do need money. It's definitely, it's a feel-good program. It's definitely good politics. It's good optics. That's why in March of 2020, you know, the Republicans and Trump were all in. Uh, in December 2020, they compromised. March 2021, we're getting partisan again. Maybe we didn't need the third stimulus. I don't know. That's enough for me to decide. One thing, though, that I'd like to bring up, and again, this contrasted with the universal basic income, is we've got lots and lots of moving parts in these packages. And the stimulus is probably one of the least expensive parts of it. Uh, and again, it is transitory. So, you know, you got a $1,400 check in, say, March, maybe in April, it's gone. Okay, so if you don't have a job, if you're not collecting unemployment, and there are people that fit into, the, you know, that collect, that neither have a job nor are collecting unemployment, uh, you're back to your food insecurity. Okay, you don't know how you're going to pay for your food. You don't know how you're going to pay your electric bill. You don't know how you're going to pay your rent. In fact, when the, you know, the, I've been reading stuff in the popular press, let's call it, about, you know, those eviction bans are going to start to expire over the next few months. We're going to have another crisis, okay? Because people who, you know, the stimulus, three stimuluses, single person, 3,200 over the course of 16 months. Maybe that could pay your food bill over 16 months, maybe, but it's not paying your rent. Uh, so we've got other issues that uh, that one-shot stimulus or you know three-shot stimulus payments are not providing for. To that point, one of the aspects of the American Rescue Plan that didn't get kind of the headline treatment at the time because there was so much focus on the stimulus and the uh, the expanded unemployment is this expanded child tax credit, which is set to kick in, I believe, next month in July. Could this, to your point of, you know, the, the stimulus being great in the moment, but not, could this end up being kind of the key to the bill? Because I know it's only for a year, but monthly consistent help to families? Again, that, you know, I am all in favor of the universal basic income. And effectively, this is universal basic income uh, for families with children. Okay, so it is, maybe it's the gateway to universal basic income. Maybe it expires at the end of 2021. Of course, again, we're living in a very, very partisan environment. And the Democrats want to extend it. Uh, some want to make it permanent. Some want to extend it till 2025. We don't know what's going to happen, but yes, that will provide at least working families with children at least some basic income. Now it's three hundred per month per child, so it's probably not enough to pay your rent. Uh, it's probably enough to pay your food bill. Okay, but it is a start. It is a start. Do you think for what was spent? Did we get value as a society? You mentioned five trillion, putting it all together, or is there a way to even really know that? You know, at the at the end of the day, again, different people are going to look at it and say, "Yes, we got." You know, yes, we avoided what could have been a catastrophic depression in March of 2020. Yes, we got people effectively. We paid people to stay 
home. Okay, and that you know that kept COVID at bay until the until the vaccines came. Okay, uh, you can't even put a price on that. Obviously, I mean, over six hundred thousand Americans have died because of COVID. You can definitely say that the March twenty twenty bill by keeping people home and paying them not to work, which really that's what they were doing, you know, reduce that toll. People, you know, uh, medical academics, public policy academics will be producing papers and they will be telling you, or they will be estimating, you know, if we didn't have that bill, uh, then instead of 600,000, it would have been 1.2 million. They are, and I'm making up a number. I'm going to say that straight out front. I don't know what it would have been, but there will be people who are estimating it. So that's, you know, as to sort of paraphrase that MasterCard commercial, that's priceless. Okay. It did save people's lives. No doubt about that. Uh, and that's not necessarily the stimulus payment, but the enhanced unemployment benefits, the uh, moratorium on evictions. You can imagine people going to homeless shelters. You can imagine the, you know, the R factor. It would have been astronomical. How far removed do you think we need to be from the American Rescue Plan, the stimulus in a whole, to really get a feel for if it accomplished what we wanted to accomplish? I mean, how wide a lens do we need to have before we, there can be a definitive discussion? You know, again, I, I don't, you know, you are looking at it from your perspective, I'm looking at it from mine. We can look at it now and say if it, it was worth it or not. Uh, we can look at it five years and say whether it was worth it or not. I think we can evaluate it every point in time. You know, five years from now, we will know if there was, you know, if this touched off rampant inflation. We'll know that five years from now. We won't know that now. Uh, and we will have those studies, you know, in the medical journals um, or the public policy journals saying how many lives were saved. Uh, so we will know more. But, you know, again, in this environment, I think in any environment, if you go through American history, 100 uh, percent of the people won't agree. You know, at best, maybe 60 percent will agree whether it was worthwhile or not. Uh, but we're never going to have consensus as to whether it was worthwhile or not. To the point with all this spending, you mentioned inflation, uh, deficits, debt. What are your concerns in the big picture with those concepts? You know, I have always been, I can say this, a fiscal conservative. So, you know, I'm, I don't say I was into the balanced budget amendment, uh, but I do remember in the 80s when Reagan took over as president and we had bu budget deficits of 200 billion and more. And that was a massive uproar, you know, a massive uproar. And now President Biden is talking about he's proposing budgets with trillion dollar deficits as far as the eye can see. Um, to some extent, that is being facilitated by easy money incredibly low interest rates. And the progressives are arguing that we should borrow because interest rates are low and we should borrow and invest. And actually there's nothing wrong with that strategy. What I fear is eventually, so our interest rates are historically low. They're historically low for government borrowing. They are historically low for mortgage borrowing if you can get a loan. What happens, you know, so the deficit is now the, you know, the federal debt is, I don't even know, it just keeps moving. 
Is it 20 billion, 25 billion? What happens when interest rates get back to the norm? Okay, if they get back to some normal level, uh, in which case the, the interest on the federal debt, you know, it'll either squeeze out all other federal spending or it will require a massive tax increase. And so, yeah, fiscally, I do have concerns. You touched on inflation earlier. Where do you fall on, you know, we are seeing some now on the spectrum of how big a concern it should be, or is that TBD to be determined as we kind of work our way through this? Well, you know, now we could be concerned, or now I could be concerned, you might not be concerned. In five years, we'll know which one of us was right. And I'm saying you're not concerned just as a straw man. Um, yeah, we, we won't know. And, you know, that we won't know until the future. I can definitely see a path to higher inflation for a number of reasons. But, you know, we've had very subdued inflation since basically the 80s. Uh, I can remember the 70s, double digit inflation, but we've basically been subdued since the 80s. Uh, despite shocks and bubbles, we we might be lucky again. I can't I can't say. Is there something, you know, we talk about stimulus, enhanced unemployment. When we were looking to help people, did you see were there opportunities missed? Were there some ways you would have preferred to see this attacked rather than just giving people money or enhanced unemployment? I okay, so yes, now now's where I'm going to get into the uh, maybe popular, maybe unpopular. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I were designing the stimulus, uh, I would have designed it differently, like anybody else would have. You know, everybody would put their own twist on it. Uh, I am aware that there were people who fell through the gaps. Okay, they may have gotten their stimulus payments, but they didn't get enhanced unemployment and didn't have a job. And as I've already discussed, that wasn't enough. I might have taken the opportunity, I would have tried to take the opportunity to implement a form of universal basic income. I would have tried that, okay? In theory, with universal basic income, people don't fall through the cracks. And historically, people have fallen through the cracks, good times and bad. We who live in big cities are familiar with the homeless problem. Okay, and it's not a problem for you or I, it's a problem for them who live on the streets. They are people who fall through the cracks. Um, maybe it's bad luck, maybe it's mental issues and they can't navigate our incredibly complex bureaucracy. Uh, I run, among other things, I run a free tax clinic. Uh, we do tax returns for low to moderate income people. Uh, we do it under the auspices of the Internal Revenue Code, so we have some guidelines. So it's supposed to be for low and moderate income people. And we do get a, uh, we get a distribution that skews toward the lower income. And you can see there, you know, from actually talking to people, from seeing their income, et cetera, you can see those that fall between the cracks who you would think qualify for certain benefits uh, such as social security disability or a supplemental security income or the enhanced unemployment. And they're just unable to navigate the bureaucracy and they don't get it. And that's where I hope, I hope that a simple form of universal basic income could be implemented 
to stop people from falling through the cracks. How much, and to the point of people falling through the cracks, it seems to me a reason that happens, and you talk about the complex bureaucracy, is because we, and I say we, American society, are way more focused on the idea of making sure that people that shouldn't get something don't get it, rather than let's make sure everybody's covered and if somebody games the system or takes advantage, not that you look the other way, but it is not our main concern. I feel like our we are kind of inverted when it comes to where our focus is. Or I don't know if inverted, because if you have a different point of view, you might disagree. But I, I we seem to focus on the handful of people that game the system rather than the much bigger number of people that, to your point, can't navigate the bureaucracy or fall through it. Yeah, I don't know where the focus is. I think the focus has a lot to do with budgets. I think in this in this pandemic, uh, and I've heard it anecdotally, and I've actually seen it at my clinic, I think the state of Pennsylvania, for example, is very, very loose, very lax. And, you know, pretty much, pretty much everybody who applied for unemployment got unemployment. Pretty much. Again, I am familiar with at least one case of a person who actually had been fired in January of 2020 and applied for unemployment and didn't get it. A person who actually been fired. Um, so in general, I think the government has been pretty lax there. On the other hand, I have heard stories about SSI. And yes, it is designed to uh, protect against people who game the system. And there are many of those. And I have heard anecdotally that everybody is turned down the first time they apply and they have to hire a lawyer and appeal. Okay, I've heard that anecdotally. Again, those people at the lower end of the income spectrum, they take it at face value. I've been turned down. They don't think about hiring an attorney to represent them. Uh, where, you know, person who does hire an attorney, regardless of the facts and circumstances, a high probability of success on appeal. So, I mean, there are trade-offs. You know, there are obviously trade-offs. And you want to keep the system honest. You know, I, again, I'm not a policymaker. This is not, you know, my domain. Uh, and I have nothing to do with whether it's, you know, enforced or not. But you want to keep it honest so that other people will view it as honest. Okay, we want to keep, and I'll just go to where I do have more expertise in the tax system. Uh, the whole idea of tax, well, one of the ideas in tax enforcement is we want Matt and Steve to know that other people are paying their sh fair share or else Matt and Steve aren't going to pay. Okay, so it's a slippery slope. Uh, and I'm sure that many people have investigated it more thoroughly than I have. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.